Good morning, everyone. It's Cheryl A. This is On My Watch podcast. And today I'm going to give you an update on what's happening in the world at the moment. Now, as I said in my welcome edition is share with you, you know, what's happening in world affairs, what's happening in current affairs, uh, and give you a story or two as a catch up of what's happened in the past. So I want to start with today where I get my information and where we're all getting our information. It seems to be Twitter and Instagram are the social media preferences of streaming what is going on, what is happening in Gaza, what is happening in the West Bank. And I've been using Instagram, as have a lot of the journalists on the ground in the Middle East. So you might know that a lot of the foreign journalists haven't been allowed into Gaza. And we know why that is. It's such a contradiction in a way that this is probably the most public war, if you like, because you know, we have social media. We've been able to see what's happening on the ground. There are amazing, brave journalists in Gaza, young people, you know, in their 20s who have risked their lives. You know, they're wearing press vests, they're wearing helmets and they're targeted. I'll, I'll firstly tell you that that's where the information is coming from. And if you follow any one of these people, they are streaming daily from Gaza itself. They are from Gaza or from somewhere in the West Bank, but they are streaming daily to share the horrors of what's happening. And a lot of it breaks my heart, but I know that I've got to look at it every morning. I've got to know, one, are they safe? It seems that the oppressor has a, has a particular preference to murdering in the dark. And, you know, there's some extraordinary figures about how many how many journalists have been murdered. I had a look at an official journalist website this morning and I think there's over 70 journalists murdered in Gaza as we speak, but not just the journalists themselves. A lot of them, their family have been targeted. One of the journalists has lost his entire family except his son. So they have been brutal, the oppressor, in trying to suppress the truth. I mean, it's astounding to me that the world still sits back in silence and watches. Not us, of course. We're trying so hard to get people to notice, to ask people to stop, to get a ceasefire. But you've got world leaders sitting back. They'd be watching this carnage. Every other day, I write to Anthony Albanese. I've written to Penny Wong. Nothing, nothing has happened. And really, I think the only country that can do anything about this at this stage is the the US. So we sit and wait. And while we sit and wait, more people get murdered. You know, the oppressor has a particular way of killing people. And the other is it should send alarm bells to every single person on earth when you start killing journalists, when you start killing in the dark. So what they do their MO is they turn everything off, including the internet, and they attack a particular area and they bombard a particular area and they go in there and they shoot people indiscriminately in a particular area in the dark. So reporters can't show you, journalists can't tell you what's happening. They don't want us to see the atrocity. It blows me away that we're still sitting here. We're over 70 days into this I don't even want to call it a war because a war is when you've got two equal sides fighting. This is the oppressor 
oppressing the oppressed yet again. The oppressor who's been doing it for 75 years. I want to read this to you. And as I said, a lot of my information has come from Instagram. So if you want to know more or if you want to read this, just visit my Instagram page. But I want to say this, this is um, a wonderful woman um, and she's got an Instagram. She's so active and she's got a huge audience. It's called Dahlia's Kitchen, wonderfully articulate. And this was her post this morning. No nation on earth has gotten away with 70 plus days of live streaming atrocities against a population comprised of mostly children on illegally occupied territories, breaching human right laws. Other countries in the region have been sanctioned and decimated for far less. The leaders of the free world were ordered by the Israeli regime to refrain from asking for a ceasefire and are following Netanyahu's orders until now. The absurdity that asking for a ceasefire is controversial and is labelled anti-Semitic has exposed the lies. Leading human rights organisations, including Israeli human rights organisations, have been screaming for this madness to stop, allowing and enabling funding on ongoing genocide for two months. Two months. And, you know, war is expensive and billions have been fed through to arm them. Oh, that's my addition to the to the to the post. Masterov, we can never unsee what we have witnessed. The veto to halt the massacre by the US, the so-called beacon of freedom of inequality, is the last drop of proof of we needed to be certain that the Israeli apartheid state is not an ally, but has become the USA. These are Dahlia's words, you know, and you can't help but agree with them. And that's the status quo as from this morning. I want to talk a little bit about the journalists and about regular heads. I feel that one, they've not had, had access. A few of them have gone on the propaganda tours. You know, there was an American journalist. You can go and find him. I, I don't even want to say his name. He's a Middle East, so-called Middle East journalist working for the New York Times who, honestly, I think the New York Times didn't even notice that there was a war going on in the first couple of weeks or there wasn't an attack on Gaza going on in the first couple of weeks. I think they've woken up a little bit now, maybe due to pressure, and this is why we've relied so heavily on these wonderful journalists on the ground. Those journalists, they started off with, you know, a couple of thousand likes, I think, or none, maybe. And now, 70 days, more than 70 days um, into the uh, conflict, they've got millions and millions of followers because they have been our only source of information. But anyway, back to the New York Times and these journalists. It's it, There's a podcast there if you want to find it. The New York Times podcast is called The Daily. He goes on a propaganda tour with the IDF. Now, the IDF, for those that don't know, is the Israeli Defence Force. I like to call them a terrorist group because they kill indiscriminately. There's no war rules that they they adhere to. They just go, and, I, you know, there's a reason why. But anyway, let's call them the IDF, the terrorist group for the moment. They did propaganda tours. They invited international journalists, and this is around the time that they bombed Al-Shifa Hospital because apparently uh, Hamas was hiding in the hospital. Uh, we never found evidence of that, of course. Anyway, they invited this particular American journalist, and he records a podcast, 
if it wasn't so serious, if the subject wasn't so so vital, so important, it would have been very, very funny. But it wasn't funny because nothing in this conflict is funny. But anyway, this journalist accepts the propaganda tour organised by the IDF, who by this stage had slaughtered and murdered children, women, men indiscriminately. Anyway, the journalist goes on this tour and he... I don't know how they do it. They mustn't let them see what's happening around them. I mean, you know, that in itself should be an alarm bell. But the commentary is that he goes in there and they show him a couple of guns and they show him, you know, a tunnel. Of course, nothing was found there. There was no evidence. And to give him credit, the journalist did say, well, you know, there's nothing, there was nothing conclusive there. But do you know, during that whole podcast, he never mentioned that journalists have been murdered that his fellow colleagues, I tell you, if I was a doctor, if I was a bookseller, if I, whatever I was, and my colleagues, whether I knew them or not, were starting to be murdered, I would be up in arms. Do you know, there has been such little reporting on that. They've, you know, obviously they're gagged. But anyway, this journalist comes back and is recording this podcast, The Daily, New York Times, and he's like, you know, well, there was no conclusive evidence. We did this, we did that. And he never once mentions what's happening in the in the area. Did he not see what that hospital looked like? When they went into Al Shifa Hospital, remember the babies in the incubators? He didn't mention any of that. Remember that they were just killing patients in their bed, just shooting people point blank. He never mentioned any of that. And as I said, he never mentioned that colleagues were being murdered, you know, almost every single day, and not just the journalists and their families. I don't know what we've come to. My frustration is a bit like Dahlia from Dahlia's Kitchen. It's It just makes me scream every single morning. What is happening? What are we doing? Where are we? Anyway... There's a lot to be said, a lot to be done, and I will continue and I will continue with this podcast until you listeners want it. But I want to talk about this too. This, you know, this broke me this morning. This is more news coming out of Gaza, and I'm going to read it to you again. It's from an Instagram account called Free Palestine, and it says everyone in Gaza is disabled. Think about that. It's not just the wounded not just the cancer patients and women in childbirth. It's children with braces that can't be adjusted. It's contact wearers with no saline. It's airstrike shattered glasses with no optometrist. It's asthma sufferers lacking nebulizers and inhalers. It's diabetics grappling for insulin and glucose monitors. It's people with chronic illnesses who need regular treatment. It's women with endometriosis and even debilitating period cramps. It's the deaf yearning for hearing aids. It's people with mental health issues with no support. And, you know, when I read that this morning, I feel guilt in not even thinking about that, in thinking about they have lost every access, you know, for day-to-day care of themselves. You know, then I thought about cleaning your teeth. You know, people, women, teenagers with periods, how are they managing that? All these things as well as, you know, they don't have access to clean water. They don't have access to food. We're coming up to Christmas. What are we doing? That's it for me today. I'll keep you updated. The podcast is called On My Watch. 
If you want to give me some feedback, I really would appreciate it. I really would. I've got an email address or you can find me on Instagram, Cheryl Arkell, but the email address is onmywatchpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, go in peace, my friends, until tomorrow.